0: As I'm sure some of you have already started to, you uh, may have looked up above you and seen uh, a few cards and wondered, are those blank? Am I going to have to grab one of those? Am I going to have to jump? Maybe some of you even gotten to read one and you're like, I'll take that one. Um, What you're looking at above you uh, is uh, a representation of uh, this exercise that we do here at Kingsway. Uh, We've been doing this now for eight years, believe it or not. This is our eighth time. Uh, doing that, and it's a reflection on uh, the year's present or past. So, this is the eighth time that we will pause uh, the first Sunday of the year, and we will actually say before we take the step forward, we will look back and we will we will thank God before we get so excited for the changes, so excited for a new leaf, so excited for a new plan. Uh, we will we will take a step back and we will say, "Man, God, what what have you done this last year?" So. For some of you, when I say that, um, you may go, man, this last year was terrible. (laughs) So super excited to think about positive things. Uh, For some of you, uh, this last year was full of great things, and so you're going to have tons of things to think about. Um, But above you uh, is, uh, I think, four years, three or four years worth of cards from previous times we've done this. uh, Where people have reflected on what God has been faithful, and then they have written it down. And so we've kind of created this mosaic for you. To represent uh, God's past faithfulness. And, and it's, it's above you, it's something that you've had to look through. All right? Uh, yeah, some of you are like, that's really distracting. Don't worry, you were looking through God's faithfulness to the screen. All right? So just anytime you get distracted, just remember that's not a bad thing. All right? For some of you right now, you may be like, oh, this is really distracting, and I hope it's distracting in the best of ways. I really do. So to give you a little background of why we did this, it was eight years ago that we I stumbled across a, a test, text in Joshua, and uh, we were we were as a church we were trying to we were just thankful for God had taken a, a staff transition as well as a church transition, and so we were kind of in a place of of really wondering and hoping that God was going to show up, and and then we had just an amazing first year where God proved and showed His faithfulness and. So we wanted to reflect on that, and so I found this text in, in Joshua, and I want to read it uh, to you, but I want to tell you a little bit of the context. It's, it's in Joshua chapter 3, and if you don't know anything about the book of Joshua, Joshua is like, it's like the, the return of the Jedi of the Israel story, all right? It's like the movie that like comes after a bunch of the rest of the story, all right? It's the, it's the part of the book where like we get to actually, yeah, get into the promised land, all right? Like, we actually get to do it. Because, see, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. And most of us have heard that story. You know, they cross the Red Sea. And then they get out into, the, you know, this <laughs> desert, basically. And God goes, hey, there's a promised land that I'm going to take you to. But through some disobedience, which most of us have experienced some disobedience in our life. We can't even keep our own rules, let alone someone else's. Um, They make some poor choices, and God makes them wait. And so he literally makes them wait and be patient for and trust in that this future promised land is going to be. And so in Joshua chapter 3, we're actually picking up on the climax of this whole event as God is going to lead now his people into the promised land. And Joshua is leading them. And because of that, there's this climactic turn where they have this massive body of water Stand in where they currently are. And if it sounds familiar to them leaving Egypt, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. It's meant to be very similar. And so Joshua is standing with the people in front of this body of water. I'm going to pick up a little bit of what he says. And this is what is recorded in the book of Joshua, chapter 3. It's a massive river. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage, and all during harvest, which means it ain't a stream. All right? It's a big body of water. All right? Yet, as soon as the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, now all you need to know about the Ark of the Covenant is, A, most of us have the frame of reference from Indiana Jones. Okay, It's not a horrible reference, but it's not a full one. Okay? Uh, it's the presence of God. That's basically all you need to think of. And you hear the, the Ark of the Covenant, you just need to know this. It is the presence of God. Now, that doesn't mean that's all that God is, but it's a literal representation of the presence of God. So as the Ark and the Covenant reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge. Just touched the water's edge. And the water from upstream stopped flowing. So here's the crazy thing. God did the miracle outside their sight. Something to think about there. Just ponder that for a second. God did the miracle outside their sight. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zethra. And now that's cool because they're giving us a fairy tale. This is a real place. And while the water was flowing down the Sea of Arabath, that is, uh, the Dead Sea, it was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle and they stood, what, on dry land. They stood on dry land. And while all Israel passed uh, until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry land. Now, here's, here's what's crazy about that. If you can imagine yourself facing some massive obstacle, hearing this tale of water being stopped and, uh, the, you know, their ancestors, their grandparents and their parents crossing. And then you've heard this, uh, this miracle, but then you step up to this body of water and you're like, oh man, is it about to go down again, right? And then it happens. But it doesn't happen like we see it a lot in the movies where like the water's like right here. It's just all of a sudden it just stops flowing. And God's presence stands in the middle of the obstacle. That's what's so cool. Stops in the middle of the obstacle and then all the nation crosses over. Pretty cool. Now this is meant to just give a simple point. Simple point for the people of Israel. Because they're moving into a place where they're going to have to trust God to, to hand over. This gift. This is a, this is a difficult place. Uh, have you ever moved a long distance away? All right? Cool. Now, let's just pretend that you moved a long distance away. You were going to move into a house, but you had a hostile takeover. All right? Wouldn't that be fun, right? Moms and dads out in the lawn. All right? That's basically what was going on. But the whole point of this illustration with the river is this. He's just proving his faithfulness once again. That's all it is. He's just this, God was once again, has proven his faithfulness, worthy, that the stories that they had heard, that that the, the way that he had taken care of them over the years was proven once again as they stepped in. So if that's not enough, all right, if that's not enough, if the event isn't enough, if the miracle's not enough, if the dry land's not enough, if the obstacle didn't move out of the way and that God stood in the middle of it, not enough, God tells them to do something after the cross. And this is where this whole illustration of what we're going to do today comes from. They're reflecting. And God doesn't want them to forget. So this is what's recorded in chapter 4. Just a few verses later. God tells the nation of Israel to do this. Go. Go over, he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Go back. Go back. And each of you One for each of the tribes, which would be 12, is to take a large stone, place it on their shoulder, according to the number of tribes, which is 12, okay? And to serve as a sign among you in the future. When your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordans of the, Lord, uh, the waters of the Jordan were cut off these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever so if you can imagine they go out to the middle and there's these massive stones they pick one up they bring it back to the shore and they start stacking them they're on the shore you ever run across an old family heirloom you know what I'm talking about maybe it was a metal a distinguishing metal, someone that served in the military. It was an old sewing machine. It was some fine piece of china with a certain design and, and you stumbled across it and you asked the question, where did this come from? Where does this come from? And all of a sudden what you thought was a simple piece, a simple little thing, has a full story behind it. Much larger than the item itself. In fact, it has more to do with the people behind the object and the relationships behind the object than the object itself. So he takes the stone and they, they place it in a heap and they said, this is what these stones are going to represent. God's So that when you doubt, when things become difficult, when a new year is on the horizon, when finances struggle, when marriages struggle, when relationships suffer, When health fails, when life gets hard, when dreams die, when things don't come true, when the answer is no, these rocks will remind you, I am faithful. So the truth of this is this, and this is something we've repeated for years here, and I want you to remember this. This is something we repeat a lot here. God's faithfulness does not only dwell in the clarity of the past but it's just as present in the uncertainty of the future. God's faithfulness does not only dwell in the clarity of the past. When we look back and you're like, yes, he is. But it is just as present in the uncertainty of the future. It's just as present in the uncertainty of the future. So in a minute, not right now, but in a minute, you were handed a, a rock, oh a wait, a card, <laughs> and you were handed a pen. And I'm going to give you a minute here to think about this, but we're going to write down our Jordan moment, down the things that God has done, because we're not going to move forward before we, we declare God's clarity and faithfulness to the past. We're not going to take one step forward, we're not going to get our highest, highest dreams of dreams and excitement going and ramped up like we should because full life is out there. And we are all being sanctified. Sanctification is a complicated word to just mean this. You're being grown into full life. Sanctification is not about what God wants to get out of you. It's about how much more God wants in you. God wants to get in you in a deeper way. But before we do all that, we need to reflect back on what he's done. And so here's your moment. Here's your moment. You walk back into the Jordan. You walk back into this last year. You walk back into the hardships, the struggles, the victories, the awesome things, and you write it down. You write it down and then you hold it and you look at it and together we'll bring them back out of the Jordan and we'll put them here together. We'll put them right here together and we'll stack those rocks and we'll declare his faithfulness together. Before we get there, I will give you three little things that sometimes can keep you from missing how faithful God has been. Three little things. First is this. Normalizing the extraordinary. You will miss God's faithfulness if you normalize the extraordinary. Can you imagine the generation that didn't get to see the Red Sea part, but now was about to go into the promised land? They probably heard the story a thousand times. No, you don't understand it was dry land. Pharaoh was coming. We were goners. And then all of a sudden, whoop! And they're like, "Yeah, grandpa, I get it." Cool. How many of you heard? Listen, we couldn't have a baby. We prayed for years and and God God gave us you. You you came. We prayed. You came. Look, we wanted a house. We were so financially broken and then we just took baby steps. And baby steps led to a home. And God was faithful. Look, our relationship with my mom was so broken. Was so, there was bitterness and unforgiveness stored up for years. And I gave just one ounce of grace. Whew, and God's faithfulness, in an extraordinary way, has restored that. But yet we normalize that. See, once it happens, we're like, yeah, cool. Eh, whatever. I'm like, no! That's God! Like, God's up there like, what? Like, you, you prayed for that. Like, this, this was amazing. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, it was so cool. You might be missing God's faithfulness if you normalize the extraordinary. Second way you can do it. You minimalize the normal. Minimalize the normal. The consistency of God is one of the greatest revealings of his faithfulness. The, 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 these Israelites had just had 40 years where God provided their daily needs. Daily. Daily needs of food and drink. My heart would have to be that I had, was in a place of absolute need and daily God met those needs. But yet I find myself there a lot, don't I? And maybe you do too. That you find yourself Minimalizing that God takes care of you. That the sun rises again. You have a roof over your head. People in your life that love you. Things and opportunities around you. Even a chance to do something new and different is right here in this country. There's opportunities. But yet we minimize that, don't we? Pretend like it doesn't matter. Pretend like it's not enough. And if we do that, we will miss God's faithfulness. We'll miss it. The last one is probably my favorite. It's the hardest one to talk about. As long as we don't normalize the extraordinary, and as long as we don't minimize the normal, and if we don't vilify the no. Listen, if my seven-year-old son, six-year-old, he's seven in like three days. I'll get in trouble for saying he's seven before he is. My six-year-old son came to me and asked me, I want to drive your car, Dad. And I had to tell him, no. Man, it might look like I'm the worst dad in the world, right? To him. But none of you out here are going, what are you doing, Dad? You're going, good job, Dad. You don't just give in to demands of terrorists. Right? No. And I'll tell you this right now. Some of you asked something of God this year, and he said no, and you are so glad he did. You are so glad he did. You're so glad. You wanted something that was so short-sighted, so small, so insignificant, so far from full life, and you asked him for it, thinking it was the right thing, and he said no, and you need to praise him for that. You need to say thank you for being faithful enough that you see the big picture, that you see all the things. And so many times when we hear no, we think that just proves God cannot be trusted. And I would say the opposite. I would say God's timing, growing our maturity, positioning us well to take what he gives us and handle it, to be stewards of it. So as we pick up our stones and we begin to write, Don't normalize the extraordinary. Don't minimize the normal, the day-to-day. And don't vilify the no. Take the time to reflect. Let God have a moment in your heart to prove that he was with you. And that that past clarity will be motivation to trust him in this coming year and in the uncertainty of the future. Now, if you're like me, you probably ignored these cards when you walked in because that's sometimes what happens. You don't have to raise your hand, okay? But you get an F and you can leave. No, I'm just kidding. There's tables in the back and you can run back there and if you don't want to write, right where you're at and you need a surface to do it because I know some of you are going to write some incredible things. There's a table in the back on the left and the right. There's pens and there's these cards right back there. But when you're ready, we're going to sing a few songs. You'll have some space here. Take a card. Write it down go back into it write it down bring it up here clip it on this let's add to let's add to the story let's add to the story of God's continued faithfulness let's do that now